Welcome to the C12 Podcast. My name is Matt, and today we have Josh Ivey speaking to us on what we can learn about Jesus through his word and how Jesus loves to eat. This is week one of two in our new series called Dinner with Jesus. Just a heads up, there's a part in this message where Josh asks the room to reflect on the verse that he shares, and so the answers have been cut out since you can't hear them, and Josh will give a summary so you won't miss anything. Just a heads up there. We hope you are encouraged and guided by today's message. Good evening, guys. How are we? We doing good? Well, listen, uh, if we've never had the opportunity to meet, my name is Josh. I'm the campus pastor at our Flowery Branch campus, and it is great to be hanging out. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, Lee. Uh, but um, it is great to have you here. Hey, and listen, there was something I was thinking about this evening that I at least want to take some uh, time to express. You okay, Justin? Hey, this guy is like a ninja. He does so much around here. Will you give it up for Justin? He's awesome. Thanks, man. Um, but I was thinking about something this afternoon. You know, I've had, I've had the honor and the blessing to get to speak in a lot of different places, a lot of different rooms. Um, and this is without a doubt my favorite group of people to be with. I love you guys so much. And it is so much, it's always an honor to be here with you. Uh, tonight. Uh, tonight's going to be fun, and I'm going to unpack all the details of the fun here in a little while, but I do want to start out with a question. And just by a show of hands, all right, how many of us in here love food? Hey, glory to God. How many of us in here have a favorite restaurant? Oh, what? The, y'all love food? Y'all have, okay, how many of us have a few favorite restaurants? Is that better? Okay, all right. Hey, give me, give me the names of some of your favorite restaurants. Longhorn? Bubba, what was that? Longhorn? Where else? Strange Taco Bar? Huh? Chili's? Chick-fil-A? No. God Almighty, I hate Chick-fil-A so much. Like, I don't care if they're Christian. I don't like them. Um, all right, so let's go. Um, Baba, what's your favorite? Do you have a, your favorite dish at Longhorn? Porterhouse medium? Fried on the side? With some broccoli? Oh, my gosh. Broccoli? Really? Well, hey, whatever, Baba. There you go. I love food, and uh, I've got several favorite restaurants. My personal, one of my favorite restaurants is Cotton Calf in Brazelton. Uh, and every time I go there, I, I don't know if you're a creature of habit. I'm a creature of habit, meaning when I get a restaurant, I, I find the one thing I like, and that's the only thing I order when I go there, okay? So here, here's what I always order. We're going to have some pictures up. As an appetizer, I always get the bourbon glazed thick-cut bacon, it is incredible. Maker's Mark bourbon, maple syrup, smothered on there, fried. Uh, listen, it is deli- thick-cut bacon. It is delicious. And then as my main course, I get the Cajun ribeye. It is a 16-ounce steak that is marinated for 24 hours in a Cajun sauce, and it is a fresh cut of meat. I'm talking that sucker's still mooing when it hits the plate. It is so stinking good, and it's so big that they don't even offer sides with it. Like, when you buy it, it's just the steak, and I always have some left over, and I, um, yeah, eat it for breakfast the next day, but I love it. But 
my all-time favorite place in the world is Mamaw's Kitchen. My grandmother. Best meal on earth, black-eyed peas and cornbread. Can I get an amen? Thank you, Jesus, for some black-eyed peas and cornbread from Mamaw's house. Ironically, my grandmother's name is Weevon, and she's whiter than I am. That's her real name. Uh, man, sweetest woman on earth. But here's the deal, though. Most of us, if not all of us, love food. That's why when we have parties, there's got to be food there, right? Christmas parties, food. Thanksgiving, food. Halloween, you go door-to-door collecting food. That's right. That's why we go on first dates. We go to restaurants. We're supposed to go to, okay, let me back up. Let me give you a little dating tip in here if you are dating. Gentlemen in the room, if you don't, if you're going on a first date, go to a restaurant or uh, get some coffee. Don't go see a movie or Netflix, okay? Put it in a place where you can actually have a conversation with your girl. All right? Thank you. Thank you. Ladies, if you have a gentleman, the first thing they want to do is go see a movie or Netflix or, God forbid, Netflix and chill on the first date. Dump his butt. Don't text him back because he's not interested in getting to know you. Going to movies is for people who are married and they don't want to talk to one another. That's what it's for, okay? But here's the cool part about food. We love to eat, and Jesus did too. He did. In fact, when you read through the Gospels, Jesus was always eating. In fact, when you read through the book of Luke, Jesus was always going to eat, eating, or leaving from eating. Time and time again. In fact, Luke chapter 7, verse 34 says this. Jesus even describes himself. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. Now, here's a little background on this term, Son of Man. This was an Old Testament title given to the Messiah. It comes from the book of Daniel. The Son of Man, meaning someone who's going to be fully God and fully man. Now, fast forward to the New Testament in the book of Luke. This term, Son of Man, is used three times in the Gospels. And uh, it's an interesting pattern. So this is the way it shows up in a pattern. All right, so Mark chapter 10, it says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom. Luke 19 says, The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Luke chapter 7, The Son of Man came eating and drinking. The first two verses shows us why Jesus came, to seek and save the lost. Not to be served, but to serve. That's the why, that's the purpose. The third one gives us how he came, the the, the method in which he rolled out the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus didn't love to eat and drink because he was a foodie, or because he was a glutton, or because he just loved food. Jesus loved to eat and drink because he loved people. And where there was food, there was usually people, right? And Jesus used meals as a way to relationally connect, and more importantly, as a way to reveal the kingdom of God to other people. 
Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He wanted people to know and understand and connect with God's heart. And the way he did that was over meals. So, this week and next week, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at a few interactions that Jesus had over meals. And look at what he revealed about God's heart. And the goal of this time is for all of us to get a better understanding of God's heart. So that we can draw nearer to him. So that we can experience the freedom and the life and the joy he offers. And for us to be able to start living life and life to the full. And on top of that, there's a little surprise. Because tonight, after the message, and next week after the message, we are going to be providing you with a free dinner. So, yes. So tonight, after the message, there's going to be a taco truck outside. On us, you get to build your own tacos. There's going to be some rice. There's going to be some bottled drinks there. Um, yeah, so you're welcome. But thank you. You're, thank you. Yes, thank you for the gratitude. It's not cheap to feed all you boys uh, and girls. Hey, so that's what we're going to do, okay? But we got some work to do before we get to enjoy each other's company over food. So this is what we're going to do tonight. We're going to dive into a passage. It's going to come from Luke chapter 5. Uh, starting with verse 27. And um, so we're going to have the words on the screen, but you can also turn to your Bibles there. And we're just going to dive into there and see what we can see about the character of God through this passage. However, there's a plot twist to this. Because we're going to go through this passage differently than what you're used to. <laughs> and this is my favorite way to teach. Typically... When pastor gets up, we throw scripture on the screen, we read through it, and then we kind of say what we think about the passage. But I'm going to turn the tables a little bit. And what we're going to do is we're going to read through the passage together, and for the first 10 minutes, I'm going to give you the opportunity to tell me what you see in the passage. Here's the reason why. Because for some of us in here, we have never read the Bible for ourselves. And maybe the idea of scripture is intimidating to you. And so I want to give you the opportunity to tiptoe into that and to remove the intimidation from that. The second reason is because I, I want you to be able to experience that God can speak directly to you through the Scriptures. Through the power of His Holy Spirit, He can speak to you. Listen to me. You are not dependent upon a pastor to hear the voice of God. And any pastor who tells you otherwise is a liar. Because of what Jesus has done for us, because of what he offers to us through the power of his Holy Spirit, God wants to speak to you. He's a relational God that knows you by name. And I want to give you the opportunity. The third reason is because you guys are smarter than me and you're going to have better insights. Because I don't know if you can tell by my accent, but I'm from the deep south and I don't read that well. Thank you, Jesus. So, this is the way I need you to look at this. This is going to be a big living room conversation. Okay? This is a big living room conversation. Full of your brothers and sisters. You can look at the person on your left and the person on your right. Those are your brothers and sisters tonight. And if you are dating them, then this just got really weird. <laughs> but this is what I do need from you. Legitimately, this is what I do need from you. I need your participation. I need you to speak to me really loudly like you were doing for the restaurant, because if you do not participate, tonight is going to suck. And I don't want that. We need participation, okay? So, we're going to read this together. 
And then I'm going to open it up for observations. Uh, now, I do want to throw, here's a couple of questions you can ask yourself as we read this passage that may be able to help. So here's a couple of questions you can ask yourself while reading this. What can I see about Jesus' character in this passage? What can I see about the heart of God in this passage? What can I see about Jesus that leads me to fall more in love with him? Because that's what we're after tonight. We're after to try to get an understanding of the character of God. So that's what I want you to look at. So as we read this, pay attention to what sticks out to you about God. Boy, that's kind of weird that he would do that. Like, there's no wrong answers. We're just going to have a big conversation, okay? Giddy up. Let's do this. That's a weird laugh, okay? Somebody's been drinking in the back. Luke chapter 5. So let's, I'm going to read this and just read it with me and see what sticks out to you. Verse 27. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet. Pause for a second. Uh, that is not, not your American version of a banquet. Suit, tie, chandeliers, all this. This was a party. Okay, so don't view it as through the American lens. This was a party. So Levi held a party at his food. There was food there. There was water there. At his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. And many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with him. There's Levi's friends. But the Pharisees and, their te and the teachers of the religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink? With such scum. Jesus answered them. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call. Not on those who think they are righteous. But those who know they are sinners. And need to repent. Alright. So I'll give you the opportunity. Just to speak out. And again this is family. Okay. So let's just kick it around a little bit. There's no wrong answers. Participation, very welcome. So if you've got, hey, there's something that sticks out to me about this, well, let's just make an, an obvious observation. Anybody got anything? Raise your hand. Yes, sir. Jesus called for him to be saved, right? So there was a call to be saved. That's interesting. Call to be saved. But in the religious leader's eyes, homeboy was scum. Hmm, that's interesting. Was that? The tax collector. We're going to get to them. Mm -hmm. Called to be saved. Very good. Very good. All right. Who else? Show of hands. Yes. Yes. He called to the sinner. He called to the reject. Right. He did not care. Jesus not only ate that, but he ate with the rejects, right? Get this. Jesus could have eaten with anybody in his day. The VIPs, the kings, the priests, the high ups. But he didn't. He ate with the rejects. You ever felt like a reject? Good news for you. Jesus invites you to the table. Right? Throughout Scripture, we get to see that it is the prostitutes, the drunks, and the thieves that get the first sips of God's 100-proof bottle of grace because they're the ones that are completely aware of their own unimportance. And they know their need for Jesus gravitated towards the losers. Thank God 
because I wouldn't have met him if he didn't. On a side note, imagine <laughs> the, the, the rejects, the losers, he's partying with them. Could you imagine if we had Snapchat or TikTok back in the day? And people were like, oh, JC just showed up in the house. Oh! And then all the Karens, like, like secretly snoop through, like, I knew I didn't like that guy. Oh, my gosh, he was such a messiah complex. <laughs> Shut up, Karen. You know, Karen, uh, they needed to know the love of God. So Jesus had to do it because you wouldn't. I'm so mad at this lady named Karen I've never met, this imaginary... <laughs> <laughs> All right, show it. Anybody got anything else? Raise hand. Yes, ma'am. Oh, gosh, that's so good. Okay, so the Pharisees complained to the disciples, but Jesus was the one to respond. Jesus will defend you if you walk with him. They didn't have to answer for themselves because Jesus did it for them. He was their advocate. When you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to piss off the religious people. Because those who love rules typically don't like Jesus. And when the rule followers, the self-righteous, want to attack you for living in the grace that God has given you, you don't have to defend yourself because he is your defender. He speaks on your behalf. You can rest and just keep following him. That's an excellent thought. Anybody else? Show of hands. Yes. Right. You know, you know who it is the hardest to admit they're sinners? So she, she said that uh, she really liked the fact that, um, that Jesus came for those who know they're sinners. Let's just have an honest moment. Typically, I'm not making this an uh, ultimate statement, but typically the people that it's the hardest to admit you're a sinner are church people. Because something weird happens when you accept Jesus and you've been in a religious community for a while is that you can forget that for some reason we think we can get saved and that God's grace just stops and that we got to start performing. We put on a mask of who we think we should be and not only are we scared to confess to other people the honest struggles of our soul, but sometimes we're scared to admit it to ourselves because we think for some reason that God just removed our humanity, that we shouldn't struggle. It's a load of crap. This isn't just for those who are far from God and those who are lost. It is. This is also for followers of Christ. If you're willing to humble yourself before Him, to admit, God, I've screwed up. You're a perfect candidate to experience His grace. It ain't easy. Sometimes it's very hard to admit we're sinners. You ever, um, you ever had a thought come through your mind? Somebody makes you mad. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. Um, somebody steals your girl, and uh, you th you have a thought that crosses your mind that makes you go, "Ooh, that was dark." Like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? Yeah, it was dark. You want to know why? Because you're dark. Let me say it again. All of us have some sickness in us. Every one of us. 
and God ain't scared of it. He ain't scared of it. Want to know why? Because the healthy don't need a doctor. Sick people do. The part that you're scared to look at yourself about, Jesus ain't scared. In fact, that darkness makes you a perfect candidate for his grace. Thank you. All right, let's, uh, let's take one more. Anybody else? I saw a couple of hands. Yes, sir. Yes, okay. Oh, geez, Louise. All right, you, just, you want some biblical background I wasn't prepared to dive into, but I'm going to try, okay? What he was saying is that these tax collectors went door to door, and, and um, they were t- collecting taxes, but they would overcharge people on their taxes. Um, and what they overcharged people, they basically, that was their profit. But these tax collectors were in deep debt. And the reason being is that these tax collectors, whenever the Roman Empire was taking over this territory, they would let people bid for who was going to be the tax collector. So the person who bid the highest was allowed to be the tax collector of that territory. And what would happen is these people would go into great debt to be the tax collector. So these tax collectors would become desperate to start overcharging people so they could pay back their debt. It's brilliant what you just said. So Jesus shows up to the tax collector to show them that he can pay their debt for them. They got themselves into a mess. Jesus saying, I know you're hated, but I love you, and I'm going to get you out of it. I had to go a long ways to unpack that, and I'm sorry. But, dude, it's, it's rich. I told you you guys were going to have better thoughts than me. Uh, what time is it? How much time? Yeah, let's go one more. That was really good. All right, one more. Yes, sir. Speak loud. (sighs) Jesus, the way his wording shows they are not inherently righteous. They just think they are. Right? But gosh, that's that's what corrupt religion will do. It makes you think you're just inherently righteous. No, 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 no. The only difference between those who think they are righteous and those who know they are repenters that they're sinners, is not their sinfulness and righteousness. It's their evaluation of themselves. That's it. Both of them are equally as sinful. But one is arrogant, one is humble. Right? That's really good. I'm enjoying this. Let's do one more. This is a lot of fun. I love this. I, like, I love hearing your thoughts. Yes, ma'am. Right, it's the same spirit. It's just reflected in a different story. She was mentioning that it reminds her of a, a story that comes from there's a tax collector praying, there's a Pharisee praying. The tax collector in humility and the brokenness was crying out saying, God, I need you. The Pharisees were praying just for, uh, for public attention. Look, look at me. I'm so spiritual. By the way, you're, you can do that just as easily as they can. If you've ever led anything and you're doing it because you hope you, somebody can get a picture of you and put you on Instagram because you're going to look good. Look at me, I'm serving. Public adoration. Oh, C12 posted that and they didn't tag me. That sucks. Uh, <laughs> hey, I've had the thought. I'm just as corrupt, okay? <laughs> oh, man. Same reflection. All right. That was good, guys. I want to give you a couple of uh, thoughts. I want to end two thoughts of my own. Y'all hit on many of mine. Um, it is, um, man, I got a lot of thoughts, but I'm going to keep it simple. I want to give you two thoughts that I want to end you with. 
talked about this passage. And then we're going to eat tacos. After all that, we just talked about Jesus' grace for 30 minutes. The tacos got an applause. <laughs> all right, here's the first thought I want to give you. Jesus says we belong even before we behave. Jesus says we belong even before we behave. Now, follow me on this. I want to unpack a little bit of the history of this, okay? When Jesus showed up, when he showed up in, in, in this moment, the religious system forced people to feel like they were far from God. Have you ever felt far from God before? Ever? Okay, these people felt like that all the time. It was pressed upon them by the religious community. And the religious system of Jesus' day could be summed up in three words. And the, and the order of these words mattered. This is what the religious system said. That you have to behave and you have to believe and then maybe you can belong. You have to act right. You have to talk right. You have to believe perfectly. And then maybe you will be accepted. And what they taught was, maybe you will be accepted by us. And maybe you will be accepted by God. But if you didn't do that, you were not going to be accepted by God. That was the message the religious community was teaching. And when someone was finally good enough to be accepted by God, the way they symbolized their acceptance was by inviting them to eat a meal. It was a big deal to share a meal with someone. In fact, it was legally forbidden to share a meal with sinners. Sharing a table, uh, sharing table fellowship with beggars, tax collectors, and prostitutes was a religious, social, and cultural taboo because of when you shared a meal with them you were literally saying you belong here you're accepted and the religious community said the exact opposite then to make things even more complicated and we've talked hit on this a little bit to make things even more complicated Levi was not just a sinner he was the most hated type of sinner for two reasons. Number one, he was a tax collector. And tax collectors were, it was very well known that they were extremely dishonest, extremely corrupt people. As I mentioned earlier, they made their profit over, uh, for overcharging people for their taxes. And what they overcharged them, they stuck in their pockets. These were professional con artists. They were professional liars. Levi was basically a corrupt IRS agent. Secondly, why he was so hated is because Levi was a Jew who was working for a Roman tax collector. Jews and Romans were arch enemies. And if you were a Jewish person who was working for a Roman tax collector, you were viewed as a traitor because you were taking advantage of your people for the benefit of the enemy. Imagine this. If the IRS and Al-Qaeda had a baby, you have Levi. <laughs> and the religious teachers of the day, the religious, the religious teaching of the day was that tax collectors, Jewish tax collectors, were too far gone. 
It was impossible for them to repent. They preached Jewish tax collectors were worthless to God. They were the worst of the worst. That's why they called Levi scum. Scum is the stuff that settles at the bottom of the bottom. That was Levi. But what did Jesus do? Jesus shared a meal with him. Jesus did the very thing that demonstrated belonging and acceptance. And that's why the Pharisees got so ticked. Because Jesus was messing up their religious order. Jesus was introducing a new kingdom order. And it flew in the face of what they had taught. Here's the new kingdom order that Jesus did. He said, belong. You can belong even before you believe and even before you behave. Religion leads with behavior. Jesus leads with belonging. He says, follow me because you belong here. Follow me. If you will follow me, I will teach you. And you'll believe. And when you believe, I'll begin to transform your behavior from the inside out. But you need to realize your first step is just accepting that I'm inviting you to the table. You belong here. You belong here. Listen, God invites you to belong even before your behavior or theology is perfect. Because to God, your heart is more important than a false idea of religion, religious perfection. Jesus didn't die on the cross. He didn't come to this earth, die on the cross, rise from the grave to establish religious rules. He did it to redeem a relationship that you can have with God. It has nothing to do with rules. Jesus flipped the script and it ticked off the religious community. In other, wor in other words, God doesn't want something from you. He simply wants you. And his acceptance of you is not based on your goodness. It's based on his goodness. And it's not based on your perfection. It's based on his perfection. The only prere prerequisite there is to following Jesus is being a sinner. And that's good news because every single one of us are. Can I get an amen? That's good news. It means we all qualify. If you, listen to me, if you are a sinner, you belong here. I don't care what you've done, how badly you've messed up. If you are a sinner, you belong here. You ha God has an invitation with your name on it at his table. And you have an invitation with your name on it at C12. And if you're a sinner, you're in great company because we all are. Welcome to the club. I don't care if you believe in Jesus or not. I don't care if your behavior is perfect or not. I don't care how bad you've screwed up. I don't care what your doubts are. You belong here. You're part of the family. And if you'll stick around, I think you may stick around just long enough for Jesus to speak to you. But you don't have to behave first. You already belong if you'll just say yes. You belong here. And that leads me to my last point I want to talk about. When religion calls us by our sin... Jesus calls us by our name. See, the religious crowd called Levi scum. Jesus knew Levi by his name. When religion defined Levi by his past failures, Jesus defined him by his love. 
and by the future he had for him. Because you want to know what happened to Levi after he started following Jesus? <laughs> Levi was his Hebrew name. When he started following Jesus, he started using his Greek name. His Greek name was Matthew. One of the twelve disciples. One of the guys who saw Jesus do miracle after miracle after miracle. One of the guys that Jesus used to usher in Christianity. Literally wrote the first book of the New Testament. See, Jesus could see the plans, that he, the future that he had for Levi slash Matthew. When nobody else could because they were too busy calling him by his sin. Not Jesus. He called him by his name. Some of us in here are letting our failures and struggles define us. We're letting the failures of our past label us just like religion tries to do. You're labeling yourself as anxious or depressed or a failure or immoral. Maybe you're labeling yourself as hopeless, as unfixable, as unlovable. And it's holding you back from accepting the invitation that God is trying to extend to you to the table. It's holding you back from saying yes to the destiny that God has for you. The labels we place on ourselves, if we're placing it based on our sin, is not how God defines you. God knows you by name, and he views you through the plans he has for you. You think your failures disqualify you? When in reality, God's grace says, your failures perfectly qualify you to sit at the table of grace. And this is true of non-believers and believers. And I hit it on this earlier, but I want to hit this again. Some of us in here have been following Jesus for quite a while, but we're still allowing our struggles to define us as if God's grace ended once we got saved. But listen, when you got saved, God's grace didn't end. In many ways, it just began. Because the longer you walk with Jesus, the more and more aware you become of your constant need for his daily grace. You don't say, God, I'm yours. And then God goes, all right, well, better start behaving. You still belong first. And then he transforms your heart. And then he transforms your behavior. But the grace that God gives us on a daily basis is just as much, if not more, than the moment we gave our lives to him. So, where are you allowing your struggles to define you? Where are you viewing yourself through the lens of religion rather than the lens of God's grace? When my wife and I first got married, we lived in North Carolina. Anybody here from North Carolina? Okay, cool. <laughs> we lived in North Carolina, just above Charlotte, a little town called Kannapolis. Uh, my wife and I didn't make a lot of money, and we had to save our money. We were renting a house, and we wanted to buy a house. So we finally saved enough money, and we put a down payment on the house, started the mortgage, and we were so proud of this house. So proud of this house. And this house had something that 
none of the houses I'd ever lived in had before. It had real hardwoods. Not the fake stuff, real hardwoods. And I know it's a dumb thing if you've never owned a house, but I was so stinking proud of these hardwoods. I'm telling you, I was desperate to be, find something to be proud of, but I was really proud of these hardwood floors. <laughs> well, my wife and I um, decided, we got this house now, let's invite some people over. Let's cook them dinner. That's what you know, we see in Scripture. Is we should do this. So we invited some friends over. Uh, Patrick and Katie. And Patrick and Katie at the time had a six-month-old child named Marley. So uh, <laughs> Eric and I didn't have any children yet. And so Marley's here. And it was, you know, we'd never really played with a baby before. And it was after the meal. We're having a good time. And we're kind of uh, sitting on the floor with Marley. And it was me and Patrick. Uh, he was over here. We're sitting on the floor. And with Amara, and you know, the night's coming to an end, and, <laughs> and we're sitting here talking, and then I, I heard something. Uh, it sounded, it came from, started with Marley's mouth, and she was going, and I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> and then I heard the noise go from here to here. And it started bubbling. <laughs> then it stopped. And I'm going, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and then, boom, boom. You could smell it, and then you could see it. <laughs> Good gosh. There's no pleasant way of saying this, but liquid defecation literally just squirted all over her back and it started it looked like a fire hydrant and it literally started pouring out on my beautiful hardwood floors in the smell oh my you could have taken stripes off of a raccoon okay that it was so and i'm sitting here and i'm like no like it's all i could think about was seeing this liquid crap Pouring on my floors. And I'm looking at Patrick. And Patrick's not doing anything. <laughs> and then I see Marley with a puddle of liquid crap around her. And she's looking at it. And you can see her bottom lip start to quiver. And about that time, Patrick stood up said, Marley girl, come here baby. This. And as soon as Marley heard her name, she did looking at this, did this. And then Patrick <laughs> took almost a whole package of wipes and just wiped Marley from head to toe. And he put a new diaper on her and he put a new outfit. And then he's on the floor and he's like rounding this mess up and he starts wiping it. And in about six minutes, it was clean like it never happened. When Marley heard her name, she looked up. You know, there are some of us in here who are so focused on our own crap that we can't see that God's reaching out for us. Because we are so stuck on defining ourselves with our struggles rather than His grace. God says you belong, because guess what? Your crap doesn't disqualify you from being his child. 
Just like Mar, just like Patrick, never flinch. I love you. Come here, let me pick you up and clean you off. The same invitation that God. Patrick did not ask Marley to clean herself up first. God doesn't do the same with you. In fact, the invitation of grace says, if you'll say yes to my invitation, I'll clean you up. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He doesn't just forgive you. He cleanses you. He wipes off the residue of your spiritual crap. So, where are you defi defining who you are, your identity, through the lens of your struggles and your failures? Where have you struggled to apply God's grace? Where do you feel God inviting you into something deeper and greater through Him, but you're thinking to yourself, I can't. I'm not good enough, God. I've disqualified myself. Where are you placing your identity in the lies of religion rather than the truth of God's grace? Where do you need to experience God's grace afresh and maybe even forgive yourself so that you can walk into the destiny that God has for you? So I want us to have a moment with God. This is what it's going to look like. In just a minute, I'm going to invite all of us to stand and we're going to go find uh, a place in this room that you can have a moment with God. Have a conversation with him. For those of us in here who are followers of Jesus, here's my invitation to you. Ask God where you're defining yourself through the lens of religion, through the sins of failure, instead of accepting God's grace and forgiveness and belonging on your life. Ask him to give you a fresh, a fresh experience of his grace. Ask him to forgive you and then boldly claim your place at the table of grace. And for those of us who've never said yes to Jesus, those of us who think we're not good enough to sit there, here's my invitation to you. Say yes to him. He's got an invitation with your name on it, and he's inviting you to belong to something greater than yourself. You start a relationship with him and experience freedom, not religion, but true freedom tonight. Freedom from shame, freedom from obligation, and know that God loves you. So you can have that conversation with God. It would look something like this. Jesus, will you ask me, to, well, Jesus, will you forgive me of my sins? I believe in you. I'm yours. It's nothing magical about the words. It has to do with the disposition of the heart. So whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, this is a moment for you to have a conversation with God. And so in just a minute, we're going to release, and you can go find a spot. So I'm going to ask all of you to stand now. And then on the count of three, I'm going to dismiss you so you can go find your place to have a moment with God. One, two, three. Go have a conversation with God. So, Lord, we could say thank you until we ran out of breaths and it still wouldn't be enough. So, Heavenly Father, we just <laughs> say thank you. Lord, thank you for your invitation. Thank you for your spot, our spot at the table that you gave us out of your goodness, from your blood, your redemption, Lord. We want to thank you for defending us from the lies of false religion 
and inviting us into the depths of grace. Well, I pray that all of us would be put in a position where we can learn how to accept your grace more and more and more and more and live in the freedom. So, Lord, we say thank you. Don't you just say thank you to him right now for his grace. We, Lord, we just say thank you, Jesus, for who you are in your gospel. Thank you for our spot. Thank you for belonging. So, Lord, may we live in the sense of this belonging and the grace you have given us until we can meet again next week. God, for some of us who haven't slept in weeks, I ask for an incredible night's sleep as they rest in your grace. For those of us who haven't had joy in weeks, may we have joy this week because we have rested in your grace. For those of us who are struggling with our purpose, may we find our purpose this week as we rest in your grace. And even if we don't find it, may we rest in the fact that you give us grace on the journey of purpose. So Lord, thank you. May may we be better recipients of what you've given us. So, Lord, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen and amen. Thank you for listening to our C12 podcast today. Next week we'll be in week two of our series talking about how Jesus loves to eat. So we will have free food for you if you are here with us, so you won't want to miss that. If you are encouraged and guided by today's message, please share this with somebody who needs to hear this message and subscribe as well as rate us on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to learn more about College of Twelve Stone, give us a follow on Instagram at C12Stone. Hope to have you join us next week.